So friends, we have made it to the penultimate chapter of this Life Together book by Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, And the chapter this week is called Ministry, which sounds really intimidating, at least it does to me, which is ironic since this is my full-time job. Uh, But Bonhoeffer uses that word ministry to mean everyday ways that we can serve one another. And he talks about a number of different things in this chapter. He talks about the ministry of holding one's tongue, the ministry of meekness, the ministry of listening, the ministry of helpfulness, the ministry of bearing, the ministry of proclaiming, and the ministry of authority. All of these are important. Uh, and the chapter is not that long, so I, I encourage you to read through all the different things that he talks about sometime this week. Um, but the, the one that really struck me, and the one that we're going to focus on tonight, as I said at the beginning of the evening, is this idea of listening being one of the everyday ways that we can serve one another and cultivate community. And part of the reason why it struck me is because it seems like so obvious. It seems so simple. Like you don't think like listening to someone else is, is ministering to them. Like that seems too easy. But then at the same time, it gets tricky and complicated when you really start to think about it. Listening well is one of the most important skills for Christians to cultivate. It's an act of generosity to give others our undivided attention. Truly listening to someone, not necessarily agreeing with everything that they're saying, but listening to understand, understand them, understand why they think what they think, understand where they're coming from. Doing that is one of the greatest gifts that we can give each other. Bonhoeffer writes in this chapter, the first service that one owes to other Christians and others in Christian community consists in listening to them. Just as the love, just as love to God begins with listening to his word, so the beginning of love for the community is learning to listen to them. But this simple act of just listening to someone, it is actually way easier said than done, right? I'm sure we've all all experienced this, uh, but I've noticed it a lot more since 2020. Um, I'll be in a conversation with someone, I'm listening to them, and the next thing I know, I am thinking about all the things that I have to do that day. I'm thinking about whether I remember to close the garage when I left my house. I'm thinking about um, trying to remember uh, words to a song that I haven't heard in years. I'm doing anything but listening to what the person I'm talking with is saying to me. And sometimes, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but it is not fun. Sometimes I only snap out of that when I realize that they stopped talking because they asked me a question and I have no idea what they just asked. Or other times I'm talking with someone, everything is fine, the conversation is enjoyable, and then they'll say something that even just tangentially suggests that they hold a, a, a position that I disagree with about something that I really, really care about. And suddenly, I'm no longer listening to them. I'm formulating my counterpoints and waiting for the first chance to interject into the conversation. I'm just waiting for space to say what I want to say. I'm no longer listening to what they're saying at all. That's an awful feeling, right? Because actually listening to someone is is an incredibly simple yet powerful act of love toward them. And because of that, Few things communicate that we don't care about someone as much as not listening. 
And we all know what that feels like, right? If neither of the scenarios I mentioned before have happened to you, you're incredible. But I'm sure that you've been on the receiving end of one or both of those. When you can tell that the person that you're talking to is totally distracted and not hearing you anymore, even if they're nodding or saying, yeah, mm mm-hmm. Or that they're just waiting for their next chance to speak, not really hearing anything you're saying, more interested in winning a debate or an argument than understanding you. It hurts. It communicates to us that, that we don't matter. I know a bit of what it feels like to not be heard, believe it or not. Uh, I am the middle child of five. <laughs> and uh, middle children get a bad rap. And a lot of people say that we just are dramatic. We make up things. We make everything sound worse than it is. And all of that is true. But I'm... Uh, I'm a middle child, not just of an average family of five. I am the middle child of a very loud family of five kids. And whether real or perceived, um, when I say loud, I mean very loud. Like I've only met one family in my life that is louder than mine, and it's my in-laws. It's Michaela's family. And it's completely different kinds of loud. My family's loud and like everyone just talks loudly over top of each other. Her family's loud in that like people are like screaming and shouting with joy just through random places throughout the house. (laughs) One is more fun than the other. I'll let you figure that out. Uh, But whether real or perceived, I often felt like I wasn't heard growing up. And years ago, uh, but, but as an adult, I was trying to convey how I'd felt this way growing up to uh, one of my brothers who really truly thought as most people do with middle children, that I was making it worse in my head than it really was which is totally fair because that's something that I'm prone to do. But I was so sure that I had felt this way and that like this was real, I hadn't just made this up, that I said to him, just wait till the next time that our whole family's together and I'll show you how this works. So sometime later, my whole family's together and we're eating dinner, one of the loudest activities. It's loud. And I wait for a, a little lull and I kind of nudge my brother and I say, watch. This is about to happen. And then I loudly, not shouting, but forcefully say the F word. Now, I don't recommend this. I'm not telling you to do this. It might not seem like a big deal to you, but, but you, the thing that you need to know about my family growing up is that you, bad words are not something that you say, especially swears, especially that swear. That is not allowed. I, I don't know how old I, I, w- I went maybe a decade, not even knowing that that word was a word. That's how, like, there is zero tolerance for that kind of filth. You get your mouth washed out with soap, literally. So even, but even after we'd all grown up, at the very least, my mom would let it be known that she wasn't okay with that kind of language if she ever heard it. She would make some noise or pretend like she was, like, laughing, but really you could tell, like, she's very upset with you and the choices that you made in your life. Uh, but I just, I just said it into the somewhat stilled silence of a lull in the mealtime chatter, and no one said anything. <laughs> it was completely, like everyone just went on about their meal because no one heard me. My brother could not believe what he was witnessing and that it was really true that for whatever reason, my family just doesn't hear me sometimes. I have since replicated this. <laughs> Which again, I don't recommend doing, but it has worked at least twice. 
Now, at this point, I, I have come to terms with this whole phenomenon, and, and I've done work in counseling about it, and I really, truly feel like it's something that I can talk about without feeling like it meant that there's something wrong with me or that like there's some great injustice in the world. Uh, and in this particular example, I think it's more hilarious than anything. But And I wasn't sure it was going to work, especially especially with the old F-bomb. Like that one, that's nuclear. You only use that when you really mean it. Uh, but the evidence was there. My family just doesn't hear me. Now, we all have unique wounds from our or family of origin, right? Like I'm not special in that regard. And I'm not bitter about it. I love my parents. They were doing their best and we're mostly just trying to keep everyone surviving. Uh, and they did a great job. And I love my siblings. And if you asked them, they would probably tell you that I was really loud and annoying and everyone just kind of learned to tune me out, which is probably true. But even as an adult, while no one hearing me forcefully command the, the best swear that we have in the English language, while that was mostly funny, there was still a tinge of anger and sadness to it. Like I was mad that this thing I was sure was going to happen actually happened. When people you care about don't listen to you, it hurts. It communicates that you don't matter. I only share this story as an example of the damage that not being heard can do. Routinely not being heard by my family definitely played a role in feelings of insignificance that I still struggle with to some degree. Because listening is one of the greatest acts of love that we can extend toward another person. But our culture, our culture does not value listening. It values a lot of things. Listening doesn't seem to be one of them. It highly values talking. Our culture says you should use your voice to let everyone know what your opinion is. We have so much social media geared towards everyone always shouting what they think about everything all the time. And no one is actually listening. We know our culture doesn't value listening because it doesn't encourage the kind of patience that is required to truly listen to another person to understand them. Our, our culture values quick sound bites and, and instantaneous dopamine hits, not the type of long, slow work that takes to actually sit and have a conversation with someone and hear them. We know our culture doesn't value listening because it loves outrage. There's whole groups of people just waiting to be offended by, by construing what you said to mean something offensive to someone. And our culture latches onto that. It promotes that drama and that controversy and the entertainment of it all. Culture by and large does not promote or draw attention toward people listening to each other well because it doesn't value it. And yet, our culture desperately longs for this kind of relationship, this kind of communication. There's an epidemic of loneliness, especially post-pandemic, as people navigate fractured relationships mitigated through screens, where people sanitize their projections of themselves into what they think will be most accepted where they try to bury uh, what they're really thinking and feeling by self-censoring for fear of rejection or, or being drugged through the mud, or ridicule and hate. Or people kind of go the other way and they succumb to the worst versions of hate and vitriol that inevitably bubble up under the security of anonymity when they feel like they can't actually express any of the anger or sadness or resentment or dysfunction 
any of these difficult thoughts and feelings, they feel like they can't express them anywhere else. People long for someone to truly listen to them, free of condemnation, free of ridicule, where they'll actually be heard and understood and known. This is 90% of the reason why counseling is a thing, why there are counselors, because we are so bad at listening to each other, we have to pay someone to listen to us. And that is not to diss on any counselor's work. It is a hard job and we need them and I'm very thankful for them. But if we as a culture valued listening, we would need far fewer counselors. But what a great opportunity for us to reflect God's love and grace to each other and to the world. What an incredibly simple way to join God to incite love to produce suffering and to increase joy. Throughout the Bible, listening well is often associated with wisdom, with righteousness, and Christ-likeness. We see this in a few places, but two of my favorite places that I wanted to point out to you tonight are in the Old Testament book of Proverbs and the New Testament book of James, which is kind of funny because James is often referred to as the New Testament version of Proverbs. I didn't really think about that until I was putting this together and like, Proverbs is just a bunch of like short sayings of wisdom. And James is kind of the New Testament version of that. Anyway, this is Proverbs 18, 2. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. That sounds like our culture. This is 18, verse 13. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. And I actually really like the bluntness of the message version that says, answering before listening is both stupid and rude. That is Proverbs 18, 13. If you ever need that later to send to anyone, it's in the Bible. And then one of my favorites is James 1, 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Does that sound like our culture? If you said no, you're correct. (laughs) I heard someone say. (laughs) How backwards have we gotten things? We're immersed in a culture that is quick to anger, quick to speak, and slow, so, so, so slow to listen and understand. So what do we do about it? What can we do about it? How can we change How can we become quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger? How do we cultivate skills of listening well? Though it's certainly easier said than done, the reality is listening and learning to listen well is like most things. It just takes practice. Poor listening is actually just a habit. We have poor listening habits that we have to learn to break. We have to unlearn. And to do that, simply put, it just takes practice. So you have to enter into conversations intentionally practicing actually listening to the person, which feels so ridiculous to say, but it's true. You have to notice when you've drifted off and aren't thinking about or aren't listening anymore, but are thinking about your to-do list. You have to be willing to notice it and, and not condemn yourself for it, but gently bring yourself back to focusing on what this person that you are giving your attention to is saying. And if you know the person well enough or you're brave enough 
Uh, one of my friends does this routinely, and it's something that I'm trying to start to do when I notice that I have stopped paying attention. Just really be really honest and vulnerable with the person that you're talking to. <laughs> Say, because they can tell, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Say, hey, I'm sorry. I just realized somewhere along the way I drifted off and I stopped listening to you. I got distracted. I'm really sorry about that. I am trying really hard to learn to listen better because I really care about you and I want to hear what you're saying. Would you repeat what you just said? Sometimes that will be no problem. Other times the conversation might end there. But it's better than like you pretending to continue to <laughs> listen to something and have no idea what they're saying. Or them asking you a question and you just trying to answer whatever you think they might have said because that rarely goes well. Try this. Sometimes it'll go well, sometimes it won't. Keep practicing, keep learning, keep retraining your brain to break the habit of tuning out when someone's talking. Another way to break a bad habit of bad listening is when you notice that you have, when you're triggered to be defensive, when someone says something that makes you mad or like tempts you to start arguing your point of view, just use that as an indicator to open up your curiosity. Instead of getting defensive, be curious. You don't need to defend your point. Keep listening to what this person is saying and ask them questions. Like actual questions, not arguments disguised as questions. Like, do you really believe that? Are you sure about that? What would your mom think of that? Stop saying the F word. She hates that. Uh, ask real questions. Try to find out and understand why this person believes what they believe. Try to understand the person, not win a debate, not voice your side of the argument. The result of doing this will be a few things. You're going to better understand this person and be better at communicating and, and caring for them in the future. That's a win. And they're going to grow to trust you, which will be really important when the time comes for you to have the conversation about what you think about what you're talking about, especially when that challenges or directly opposes what they think. People listen to people they trust. People trust you when they know that they matter to you and that you care about them. And they'll know that you care about them when you actually listen to them. Because listening is one of the greatest acts of love that we can do for each other. Can you imagine what this community would look like if we were all committed to cultivating skills of listening to each other well? Can you imagine the, the like understanding that we would actually experience together? The, the trust that would fundamentally define this place. It's the kind of understanding and trust that can change the coldest of hearts. Let me give you a, an awesome but like radical example of this. There's a documentary that came out in 2017, maybe it was 2018, I think it was 2017, called A White Right Meeting the Enemy. And it's about a woman named Dia Khan and her interactions with white supremacist groups. Dia is part Afghani, part Pakistani, She's a part Afghani, part Pakistani Muslim woman who grew up in Norway, which is crazy. <laughs> and she begins to receive death threats and, and hate mail from white supremacists and neo-Nazis after she is part of this BBC interview 
about multiculturalism and diversity. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was getting like legit death threats and hate mail and like my Facebook was just riddled with people saying the worst things about me, I'd probably never leave my house again. Just to be honest with you, doesn't seem worth it to me. Dia takes the opposite path. She decides to travel to America to try to meet and interview some of these white supremacists slash neo-Nazi slash skinheads that are sending her all this hate. And the documentary is basically her interviewing these people. And all she does the majority of the time is listen to them and ask them questions. She tries to understand what they believe and why, why they believe it. She almost entirely just listens to understand. And over time, many of these hateful racist men come to feel understood by this woman that they self-proclaim to hate. And when they feel understood by her, they begin to trust her. And watching the consequences of that growing trust is fascinating. Several of these men begin to question what they've always believed and stood and fought for. And more than one of them ends up uh, leaving behind the organization or group that they're affiliated with because of the cognitive dissonance that is created between their white supremacist beliefs and the reality of their positive and trusting relationship with Dia. She was quick to listen, slow to speak, and even slower to anger. And it literally disrupted deep-seated and, and deep-seated hatred and radically changed the lives of the people that she was listening to. All from her just listening to understand these people that hate her. Listening well is one of the most powerful means of reflecting God, of inciting love that we have at our disposal. Listening well is one of the greatest gifts that we can give to each other. So cultivate deep listening. Practice listening well. Because this community, the church at large, our, our, our world depends on it. Let's pray. God, I pray um, that we would be people who want to love others that we would be people who want to be generous with our attention and to truly listen and understand the people in our lives because you love them and because we love them and because we want to join you to incite more love in the world, to reduce suffering, to increase joy. God, I pray that we would be people committed to growing up and learning to, to listen to the people that you put us in contact with, the people that we are responsible for caring for. And God, I pray that TNL would be a place that is characterized by people really being understood and known and loved, even and especially when we disagree with each other. God, we love you. Amen.